Welcome to The Male Doula Birth Stories. This podcast has been created for all sorts of people to hear birth stories from all sorts of people. My name is Matt, I am The Male Doula. I am a holistic practitioner, doula and a few other things, but I prefer simply to be known as a birth keeper. I live in a little town in Kent in England and own a small holistic and alternative therapy clinic called Bowen Bexley. This podcast has been muddling around in my head since I attended my first birth. Each pregnancy I have a part in, each time an expecting or new mum has treatment with me, and each birth that I'm involved with makes me determined to make this podcast become a reality. And here it is. I hope you enjoy it. So today... I have the lovely Charlotte with me. Hello. And she's got a lovely story to tell everybody. Um, and I've been really careful with this one. Normally I get a really good background, but your one sounded really interesting. I thought, you know what? I just want to hear this for the first time. So as much new to me as it is everybody listening. <laughs> so let's get a little bit of background about you first. I met you quite, what, three, four years ago it must I be? I think it's, I was thinking this morning, I think it might be five or six. Really? That long? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. And do we tell people why or how? How did you I meet you? Do. From doing your lovely wife's hair. You did. And your lovely daughter as well. Yes. You've always, we're always around. Yes. Uh, which is <laughs> great. And we, we all got on really well right from the start, which yeah. was really nice. So, yes. Um. And I found out you was pregnant during the end, oh, the beginning of the this lockdown with the uh, obviously pandemic. I found out you was about to have a baby, and I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't know she was pregnant. What's going on? So um, yeah, I got in contact with you and said, like, excellent, well done, congratulations. Yeah. And then you said, you tell me you've got a story to tell. So you, uh, Dad, Joe. Yep. And we now have baby Archie. We do. And he's absolutely gorgeous. He, he is literally right next to us, sound asleep. So if I'm too... <laughs> Long met last, let's touch wood. <laughs> yes, let's not, let's not wake him up. So why did you agree to do this podcast with me? Why not? Yeah. You know, talk about it. Let other people know that birth can sometimes not go great. Mm. Um, but... You know, you get over it, you forget about it, and you think, I can do this again. <laughs> and then you tell your other half you want four. And he says, no. <laughs> and he runs away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's go one at a time for a start, is what that he says. That would be nice. That would be nice, wouldn't it? So when did you actually plan to get pregnant? So we was really lucky. We um, actually only decided a year ago that we would think about having children and six weeks later, I found out I was pregnant. Wow. So straight away. In fact, actually, the plan was stop taking contraception, go on holiday to yeah. Poland. Oh, nice. Come back and probably fall pregnant then, you know. But no, I went to Poland and wasn't able to drink a single thing. Oh, so got pregnant before you went yeah. to Poland. So you yeah. didn't even have a chance to go away. No. Nope. So this is your only baby? Yes. What was you expecting to happen after you got pregnant? I have no idea what I was expecting. I was pleasantly surprised. I had such an easy pregnancy. I had no sickness. Yeah. Probably about three days of tiredness, if that. You know, I had nothing. It almost frightened me that I had no symptoms and I ended up taking, I think in total, eight pregnancy tests. Because I just didn't believe it. Because, you know, I felt absolutely fine. Yeah. 
And it wasn't till, apart from I was really bloated. So I went for a stage of I looked three months pregnant, but was only like eight weeks. Okay. Then the bloating went down. I looked normal. And then I started getting a bump. So it wasn't probably till I felt the first kick that I was actually like, oh, you know, I am pregnant. Yeah. Like something, something is happening in there. I'm not just... Haven't just eaten too many mince pies over Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so when when did you feel first movement? Quite early actually. It was eighteen. It was eighteen weeks on the dot. I felt the first movement, um, and it was just a kick. We was I we'd been out for dinner. I really craved anything hot and spicy, so I'd had a pizza, put loads of chili oil on it, came home, and thought, oh, what you know is that. Is that what I think it is? And then had a second kick and thought either this baby loves spicy food or hates it. <laughs> One or the other. You, you, yeah. Yet to find out. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you've told us it was completely planned. Yep. Now, the, the pregnancy's planned. What was your birth plan? My original birth plan, I wanted completely natural water birth. At home? Originally, I wanted at home. Joe wasn't happy about that. Okay. He didn't want it to be at home. I don't know if working in a hospital made him, obviously he sees the bad side of things. Mm. So he wanted, he didn't want it to be at home. He wanted it to be in a hospital. Should anything go wrong, he wanted to be there rather than have to get to the hospital. Okay. Um, so yeah, so he said no to that. So the birth center was like a middleman for us. Okay. Um, he was quite happy with that. And obviously, I was getting what I wanted to deal with the water birth and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, okay. it worked out well for us. And that you made you both happy with yeah, that we were both quite happy with it. Originally, he also wanted me to give birth at his hospital, which is an hour and a half. Which hospital does he work at? Will you mind? I don't think that? he'll mind. He works at University College Hospital in London. So okay. how we expected me to get on a training tube whilst in labour, I've no idea. <laughs> or drive like you know yeah. I don't really want to be stuck in rush hour traffic at work. exactly yeah. so yeah that was quickly poo-pooed that idea okay you went to the local time. hospital in Greenwich yeah QE we was sort of we weighed up our options yeah we choose we chose QE yeah um mostly because they'd recently renovated the birth center there yes I think it they've was actually about... added another birth pool I believe yeah. yeah I think it was a couple of a year or so two years ago something like that so yeah. that was why we picked there because i thought it's all you know it's all new and we it should be quite nice there something i really find interesting and we can edit this out if you don't want to do you know where you got pregnant yeah i know the exact day because the plan was not to get pregnant before poland okay so um my mum and dad were away we was looking after the dog Okay. The dog kept me up all night because he was crying. So what else do you do at 3am? Yeah, TV's too... Yeah. Exactly. Okay. But I was also really hungover as well because I'd been out oh, no. and I was really hungover and bored. <laughs> I was like, well, the dog's awake. We're awake. We might as well do something to pass the time. And yeah, found out the following day that, I was, that I'd ovulated. I was a bit like... Oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. You know, we'll be fine. The plan was to fall pregnant anyway, so it wasn't a bad thing. No, no. It, and I, I mean, the only reason we started trying now was because my parents, it took them six years to fall pregnant with me. His right. parents, four years. So we was thinking, right, let's do it now. It's going to take years. Yeah. Not expecting it to be so quick. So, yeah. So I, there's, there's lesson number one for anyone listening. 
don't yeah. go on genetics. No, do they not. Don't that is, work. It does not work in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. I mean, my mum then had three under three. So, you know, as soon as she fell pregnant, she okay. then, you know, was very pregnant for the next <laughs> few years. So we could jump ahead. This is normally a question I asked after you've told the birth story. Is there plans for three more? I would like... Well, I don't know. There's definitely a plan for at least one more. Brilliant. I don't know when. Okay. Whenever... Joe's got over the birth. <laughs> Is he still getting over it now then? Yeah, he's getting over it. Yeah. Oh, Apparently it was really distressing for him, you know, having to give birth. It must have been terrible for him. <laughs> you know, I, I love seeing both sides of this story because <laughs> you get obviously the, the mum that's just given birth has this amazing story and she's been through all sorts of things. And a lot of people sit there and look at dad and go, well, you know, he barely made me a cup of tea while I was in labour, you know. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> um, he, he's got PTSD. You know, oh, he brushed my hair. I think that was about it. I was really stressed out because I was hot and sweaty and I needed my hair brushed. So he brushed it and put it in a ponytail for me. And I was really happy with that. He did wow. that post-labour, yeah. He didn't brush it, obviously, to my standard, but we'll... we'll, well this you know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a separate story altogether. He will be coming to do my wife's hair. <laughs> <laughs> So we, we've gone through the first parts. Uh, I'm trying not to jump too far ahead. Do you know whereabouts you were? Or can you remember where you were when you went into labour, when you really felt the first movement? Um, so I was induced. Um, my waters okay. broke. Um, and I didn't know that my waters had broken because all I'd heard was stories of big gushing waters and this and the other. Hmm. And... Obviously, it was in lockdown. I was sat in the garden and I have really bad hay fever. And I sneezed and wet myself a bit and just thought, well, you are 37 weeks, you know. It's pushing on your It's bladder. pushing on my bladder. Yeah. So just didn't really think too much of it. Okay. Um, that was like first thing on the Thursday morning. A couple of hours later, again, I sneezed. You know, I was sat in the garden, really bad hay fever. Had another sneezed, wet myself again and thought, you really, you really need to sort yourself out. Like, you know, you can't just go around wet yourself. Yeah. Um, but I was popping to the shops. So went upstairs, because I'd been out in the garden, went upstairs, had a shower, got out of the shower, sat down on the bed and thought, no, I've definitely just wet myself again. That's not normal. So I rang the midwife and she told me to get up to the hospital and get checked. Okay. To see if it was my waters that had gone, or if I was just wetting myself constantly. So that, this, this is the good thing about me not knowing your story before I come here. Yeah. Because um, I asked how you go into labour, and then you say about being induced. But we did have some sort of start. The fact yeah. that you, you've got some waters broken. Yeah. Um, and a midwife saying, get up here and let's yeah. have a look at you. Yeah. So why did that lead on to being induced? So they they didn't actually check me until... Around it was eight pm because I had to wait for the shift changeover. It was eight pm. She checked me and she said my waters are definitely gone or were going. It was just a constant trickle. Mm. Um, however, I wasn't contracting at that moment. Okay. And no contractions whatsoever. So they booked me in to be induced the following day because it has to be within twenty four hours for the risk of infection. So I was booked in to be induced ten am on the Friday. However, should anything change, you know, if I went into labour naturally, all that kind of stuff, then just Great. carry on, give them the call and let them know. Either way, I was going back at 10am yeah. on the Friday. However, I ended up back in hospital at 4am on the Friday because I couldn't sleep. 
really uncomfortable. My back was on fire. I was laying in the bath. I was getting out of the bath. I couldn't get comfortable. And then I had a massive gush of water and there was loads of blood. Okay. So then I was straight back up the hospital, yeah. went and got checked. They was absolutely, they was happy. They was fine. They said, there's nothing to worry about. So come back home. My contractions had started on the way to the hospital. And by 10 a.m. on the Friday, I had them come in every six minutes. So I thought, oh, brilliant. Nice. You know, this is good. Got to the hospital and they stopped, basically. They was okay. like once every 15 minutes, once every 20 minutes. Yeah. And that was that until they didn't even induce me until 6 p.m. Right. So I'd been sat in the hospital all day yep. um, and they induced me at 6 p.m. <laughs> I was gonna say, I just saw movement. <laughs> I just saw movement. How are you? Hey, Archie. So oh, Archie's joining us, everyone. Just, uh, He's probably gonna go back to sleep, to be fair. Snuggling with Yeah, back to sleep. Um, yeah, so they didn't actually induce me until 6 p.m. So what type of induction did they go for? The gel, they I had the gel, that. which I was then checked after six hours. Mm -hmm. No change. And then they was waiting for a room. They was waiting for a room to become available yep. in the delivery suite to be induced um, with the drip. Okay, so for the IV. Yeah. And that, that's, we call that flush, you know, that does kind of yeah well it did but really no really slowly really still slow. Good. so they induced me 1 p.m on the saturday okay and joe was allowed to join me from that point because they said i was going into a room and i wouldn't be leaving that room yes so he was allowed to join from then and it was really funny because they kept asking me about an epidural and i was like no i wanted a natural water birth so everything's gone right out the window no i'm not having an epidural and they kept, all the midwives and the doctors kept exchanging really strange looks. And I was thinking, what do they know that I don't know? Mm. And then uh, I had a consultant come in and he said, 99% of women have an epidural. Well, I'm not one of those. Good so I still you. refused it. Good for you. Well done. I ended up having it four hours later. <laughs> but at that moment. But at that moment, I was fine. And I didn't want it. So yeah, so they induced me at 1pm, four hours later. I had only got to one centimetre okay. and I then, so they told me I'd only got to one centimetre and I asked them how long it could take and she said it can take up to 24 hours. So I asked her- So they some, actually gave you a time? Yeah, on, after 24 hours, if it hasn't, then you'll be going in for a C-section. Okay. So I thought, right, okay, that's all right. At least I have a time frame here. Mm. Four hours later, I was only one centimetre. Then they gave me some paracetamol because I asked for some paracetamol. Yeah. Then I had a two minute long contraction and just screamed, give me everything. So they gave me an epidural and it was brilliant. I needed it. I had to have gas and air to have it because my they were, I was contracting constantly. I wasn't having a break, but obviously okay. I wasn't progressing. You know, I'd only got to one centimetre. And when she said it can take up to 24, I thought, I can't do this. No for that amount, you know, for another, potentially another 20 yeah. hours. It's a real shame that they come in with a time on this dilation yeah. thing. There's there's lots of, so other podcasts, if ever, anyone else is listening to, or the whole series of this, yeah. that quite clearly discuss how dilation is definitely not a way to time how long it's going to take. 
And oh, really? It's a bit unfair that they've kind of given you it's going to take 24 hours or can take 24 hours from one centimetre. You right. can have a baby from one centimetre, have it 20 minutes later, you can be 10 centimetres and it still take hours. Yeah. You know, so you, you shouldn't really put a time on it, which is a bit of a shame because this is evidence yeah. in itself. How did it make, did it make you feel positive about your body and your baby being told you're only one centimetres and you're going to be oh, here? Oh no, it was a... terrible. It was terrible. I just yeah. thought I'm going to be here for ages. Yeah, that effect has a yeah. knock-on on everything else that happens to the point that you're now yeah. ha- like obviously having epidural for the yeah. pain because your brain is going, I cannot do this. Yeah. For this much. If, it, if they said to you, you're going to have this baby in 30 minutes. Oh yeah, I wouldn't have had it. Stuff the epidural, let this bring it yeah. on, let's go. Let's just crack on, let's get yeah. it. Get the baby um, out, yeah. So it changes your mindset, which yeah. is a bit of a shame that it that's yeah, been it, done. Yeah, oh, it totally changed my entire mindset. Although, on the other hand, I hadn't slept mm. since, well, I hadn't slept since Thursday. Yeah. So we're now like 5pm on Saturday. I was shattered. Yeah. So, yeah, on the other hand, I needed the epidural because I needed to get some form of respite and some form of sleep. Not that you have that anyway, because your temperature and your stats and everything are checked every 15 minutes so you know I had the blood pressure cuff going off every 15 minutes but for what rest I could get I was drifting in and out of sleep um weird that you can still feel the contraction I thought epidural you feel nothing I could still feel the contractions and it only numbed completely numbed my left side my right side it only numbed my stomach okay so I could it was really bizarre although the lady did uh, the midwife did say to me she was like if you don't because obviously you self-administer it. Again, something I had no idea about. Um, she said, if you don't press it too much, then you'll be able to continue to have feeling. And I, for some odd reason, had it in my head that I needed to still be able to move my legs. I don't know why, mm. but I wanted to be able to move my legs. And I could the entire time. Right. So that was good. That's, that is, they call that a walking epidural. So yeah. you, you've basically got enough control over your legs that you could stand up if you needed yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. And that still allows you to use different positions during labour for giving birth. To yeah. Yeah. Right. They then I had to go onto my left hand side, like lay on my left, because they couldn't pick up baby's heartbeat. Okay. Um the monitors just kept moving, you know, so they just said I had to lay on my left, which wasn't really a problem. But yeah, no, it did still take ages because I think I went from one centimetre four hours later I was three centimetres then I had a massive jump I went from three centimetres to eight okay then four hours later I was nine centimetres four hours after that I was ten centimetres <laughs> then they informed me that baby was back to back that's I've done a little obviously you can't see what I'm doing here but right at the beginning of your story I've done this funny hand gesture to say I think your baby's back to back yeah now they didn't tell you any of this no I had no idea um I'd had lots of scans as well because at the beginning of my pregnancy, a low-lying placenta. So I had to go back to make sure it had moved. It had moved. Yeah, as baby grows, it would lift up. Yeah, it moved. They said, you know, they did say to me when I had, when they told me that, that nine out of 10, it moves for. So there's, you know, don't worry. So I had to go back at 32 weeks. Um, Then they was concerned baby was too small. So I was back every two weeks for growth scans. So at no point did anybody ever mention that baby was back to back, considering wow. at 32 weeks, 34 weeks, 36 weeks I was there and he mm. didn't move at any point in those. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was never mentioned to me, not even when I was in the beginning of labour, nothing. Strange. No, I was very told, strange. I think I was told about 
6 a.m., mm. you know, babies back to back. So when you get to 10 centimetres, they then put the IV up really high for two hours to try and get baby to turn, which didn't work anyway. No, it, no he I've was, never heard of that working. No, myself, he was, but, he was yeah. quite happy where he was. He didn't yeah. want to turn. He yeah. said no. And if he's engaged and, you know, the chances yeah, he, of an engaged head I turning. I don't know how it works. I mean, when they were trying to turn him, he was like three fifths or something. So as far as I could work out, he was like coming down. out. Well you know, down. he was too far down. Yes. He wasn't going to move. Yeah. I was just, well, I was going through midwives like there was no tomorrow because obviously I kept going through different changeovers. We had one pass out on us as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that, I've never seen a midwife pass out. They Not in the room, okay. outside of the room. She must have been feeling a bit poorly. Oh. But um, she was, because obviously I was, because I was on the epidural and on the IV, she was having to write constant notes. Yes. And then she disappeared. And I remember thinking to myself, I feel like she's been gone for longer than yeah. 10 minutes. Then I looked at the clock again and thought, no, it's definitely been 10 minutes since I thought that. So she's got to have been gone for at least 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, and then 20 minutes after that, we had a consultant come in who told us that the midwife had passed out outside they, and she was down in A&E. And I thought, okay. They what? do work them hard. I, I, I'm having my little digs at things that happen within <laughs> a hospital environment, as people know me. But the midwives do work so, so yeah. hard in those hospitals and the, you you said about the shifts you have to wait for shift change i mean yeah that kind of tells you how hard the the nhs is making these yeah. these midwives work yeah and to have shift changes and this one coming in and to the point they're passing out and yeah, having to bless go to her. yeah she passed out outside and then obviously got taken straight downstairs to a and e so yeah so then we had another lady come in and <laughs> another, yet another midwife all these people check kept coming cervix, in. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, basically yes. people coming in checking my cervix all the time I was like okay but yeah no so they tried to get him to turn for 2 hours he did not turn so did they at this point you know he's back to back yeah they know he's back to back yep do you change position in the no, way no she so at this point, because I could feel it, I couldn't feel my left leg now. And okay. after listening to one of your podcasts with them saying that they were made to lay on their left and they couldn't feel it, I don't know if maybe that was the case because I was made to lay on my left if that was why, but I couldn't move my left leg. I could lift it in the air, but I couldn't feel it in any way, shape or form. Okay. Um, so I was, as I was, I was still laying down, which again was something I really didn't want to give birth like that. No. It's the most unnatural way of giving yeah. birth is on your back, you know. I, and obviously with him being back to back, it would have, like, it's, it's the most painful well, way to give it's birth. It's impossible, you know. Yeah. yeah, so it was shift change when they said to me, so I had a new midwife come in at 8am. She said to me, um, I'm going to ramp up the IV for two hours, baby's back to back, it might get him to turn. So I said, right, okay. Um, and from then on, I wasn't allowed to administer the epidural. I mm. had to... Although I could still feel a lot of stuff on my right, I had to let my body yeah. ease off a bit a bit so I could feel the contractions. That was what she wanted. She okay. wanted me to be able to feel the contractions so that she wouldn't have to tell me when to push. I would be able to do it myself. So I thought, brilliant, I'm gaining some form of control finally. Exactly. But yeah, no, he didn't, he didn't want to turn. So we got yeah. to a point of now baby's coming out. Yeah, 10 centimetres, back to back. Yeah. And the midwife turns around and says to me, you won't be able to push him out naturally. Okay, right, so what have we been doing? Why was I not just C-sectioned on Thursday morning? You know, I'm like, why have we gone through all of this to be told 
I won't get him out naturally yeah. anyway. Let's raise those adrenaline levels yeah. right at the point where I now, don't need Now them. I'm really angry, you know, okay. and she yeah. left the room. I'm screaming at Jo saying, why have they done this? Why have we gone through all of this? This seems completely pointless. If she's telling me I could end up with a C-section anyway, the whole of the past few days have been completely pointless. I could be home by now. Yeah. However, she did say that she would let me push for an hour and then they would reassess the situation. Okay. Um, so I got to pushing stage. I pushed for an hour and 20 minutes and then loads of people ascended into the room, like the doctors and this and the other. And I ended up having an episiotomy and a Vontose delivery. And then I lost two litres of blood because my uterus had given up on life because it had, had the hell, like, well, everything kicked out of it. You know, it yeah. didn't know whether it was coming or going. Of course. But it was, I mean, I didn't know how low down he was. I was being told to push every other contraction because they knew they was going to bring somebody in. But I physically couldn't not push, so I was pushing and trying to pretend I wasn't. <laughs> Good for so you. So the midwife could tell me off. Yeah. However, I mean, he must have been very close to being out. Joe said he was very close to being out, and when everyone came into the room, I mean, I had doctor, I had this doctor between my legs with obviously a needle in one hand and a scalpel in the other, shouting at me, telling me I could, telling me I could do it and I could get him out. You know, he shouted at me four times. You could, you know, they was sort of all thought, what are we here for? But I was so tired yeah. that, yeah. So you I think he let me push. stay up for three days and do what I'm doing, yeah. Yeah, he let me push four times and then said, right, no, that's it now. I'm going in. <laughs> and then he came out and then shocked me again because he was a boy and everyone had thought he was a girl. Everyone. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And he's absolutely gorgeous. So I'm sitting here looking at you hugging him. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting distracted. <laughs> so it's an amazing story. I don't know where to it's go with this. It's a long story, isn't it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a really, really good story. And right at the beginning of this, you, you said to me, we'll definitely have another one. Yeah. Has this not put you off? It did. It did put me off. Mm. I hated, you know, I was in so much pain. I was uncomfortable. I'd had so much fluid put through me that I physically couldn't pick Archie up properly because I couldn't close my hands. Right. Um, I was knackered. And if you'd have asked me two and a half months ago, would I do it again? Absolutely not. There's no way I would have ever put my body through that. No. Now, yeah. However, I will ask, have a C-section. Okay. I was going to ask you, what changes would you make? Would you go down more the I want to say holistic alternative route of at home maybe getting a doula um, a independent midwife you know would you do that sort of route or would you rather just go do you know what I want to book it up for this date and I'll go in no I think from my because I need control Mm. I had all the control taken away from me I think next time I would have to have the control and know baby's coming this day I'm going in at 9am you know, 11am, baby's here, that's fine. And I'll go home that day, the following day. You know, I think for my own sanity, yeah, that's what I would need. I so, don't think I could leave it. Because he was, well, he could have been two and a half weeks early. Yeah, It was all sort of by the wayside. It was all a bit over the place. I mean, our pram turned up whilst I was in labour. It wow. turned up on the Saturday. Right. You know. <laughs> so would you agree if I was to say, because of the way you've been, the, the NHS birth, yeah. within a hospital 
that you've had and the way you were treated during the birth process that has made you make this decision to go for yeah. an elective cesarean next time yeah yeah a hundred percent right and do you do you regret that does that annoy you how it do you feel doesn't, about that? it annoys me or the only thing that i don't like is that I didn't have the birth I wanted. It wasn't necessarily a very, it wasn't a natural birth. You know, the whole of the labor was forced really, you know, nothing was natural really about it. And childbirth is the most natural thing in the world, you mm. know? Um, so yeah, I really, sh I struggled with a lot of things and it made me feel like I wasn't, I don't, I didn't, it made me feel like I wasn't a very good mum because I hadn't been able to give birth to him properly. Yeah. My issue then with if I was to have a C-section next time, would I still feel exactly the same? Because again, I haven't, or would I feel better because I've been in control of the situation, I know what's happening, it's happening this day, this time, and that's the end of that. You... It's a tough one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, unless, I, can't, I don't think I can really answer it until... Yeah. Unless I go for it again. So if you'd been at home going through a, a, a water birth at home and something had happened that meant you'd gone into hospital and they'd just done a caesarean, you wouldn't have felt quite as disempowered. Is that the right way of putting it? Yeah, I think... As if, what you've been through. Yeah, yeah, I... Yeah, if I'd have been at home, or even if I'd have been in the birth centre, you know, if I'd have mm. been at home or in the birth centre, having the birth I wanted, and then taken elsewhere, I probably would have felt a lot better yeah. um, than I did once I'd had him. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of crossing over from the physical side of this onto the mental side of it. Yeah. And for those listening, you can hear, there's obviously a change in my voice because I can see where it went wrong. Yeah. If we want to call it that, I can see where things were put in place that weren't necessarily needed straight away and it's had a knock-on effect. Yeah. Um, but I can also hear it in your voice in that you kind of, you you feel that you've been walked all over. Yeah. Um, and they've just said, right, Charlotte, in there, we're doing this. Even the doctor between your legs with the needle and a pair of shears, they're saying, right, no, I'm, this is it, I'm doing it, I'm going in. Yeah. You know, where Where's the permission Where's the, sorry, Charlotte, I've just got to do this. Is that okay? Yeah. You know, that little change in the way that you're approached, do you think Makes that would have made a bit of difference to you? Probably. It very well could have done. But on, on all of these things. Yeah, not, on everything. Not, yeah. Not just the doctor. I'm not, not, I'm not putting everything on him. But the fact that they're coming in, they're doing like cervical checks every 20 minutes yeah they put in monitors on you for like obviously for fetal heart monitor monitors on you yeah. Mo you know yeah you're, i was attached to every machine and then the, the, you've got the epidural with a pump you know button and yeah you've kind of been wired up to all of this stuff can you honestly think how many times people said to you charlotte is it okay if i do this i think the only time i was ever asked if it was okay was when they checked my cervix like for dilation yeah. i'm pretty sure other than that, I mean, I wasn't asked, is it okay? Like, do you mind with thinking about inducing you? Hmm. How do you feel about it? That was never no. an option. This, this is what it we're was, doing. This is, the, you're going to be induced now. Yeah. You've got an hour. Then come round this come way. Come and start cutting and slicing. Yeah. And yeah. There, the, this is the thing. And you, you've covered it so well. And I'm so glad I didn't get a heads up on any of this. Because I think it's made us really come across on this podcast that... This isn't how it's meant to be. No. 
and this is for those that are in the birth world you know just ask yeah just treat this person whoever it is as a human being and it's not your body it's theirs yeah you know say to them I, I, I have to do this with my work, you know, I'm, I'm very hands-on with the work I have to do, um, doing postnatal care, things like this. I always say, I'm just going to put my hand here or I'm just going to touch, is that okay? Yeah. And I don't touch until I get a clear yes, yeah. that's no problem, of course you can, Matt. You know, it doesn't take a lot, it takes an extra few seconds, but the difference that makes by the time we get to the end of the journey yeah. has a massive effect on you emotionally. Yeah, it probably would have made a huge difference had every time somebody had just spoken to me. But as you say, like a couple of seconds, you know, have to be a big 20 deal seconds, how do you feel about this? Yeah, don't have to kneel down next to you and, you know, yeah. it's just a quick question. Yeah, chance, I through. mean, I would have gone along with what they were saying. They're, you know, they do it day in, day out. I don't, you know, I didn't, I'm a first time mum, didn't know what to expect mm. anyway. I would have gone with any advice they'd have given me. Yeah. But... But they didn't. That's ask the control. Me. So yeah. you, the, you know, you're you're talking about this elective C-section. Now you're you're saying that because you felt a lack of control. Yeah. Now, if every time they'd come in and said, "Charlotte, can I do this?" and you said, "Yes, that's fine," or "Why do you need to do that?" and yeah. they explain it, and you go, "Oh, yeah, that's okay," or "No, I'd rather not." Yeah. You are one hundred percent in control. Yeah. So I'm I'm just trying to show yeah. you that they're, they're, even though. You, you feel that you had no options. With the right way of being treated, you, you had every option. Yes, yeah. And I wouldn't, you know, that if I was to then have a second, hmm. I'd quite happily, you know, do it all the same way yeah. again. You know, yes. knowing that no matter what happens, I would still feel in control. Brilliant. Yeah. So you've covered, you know, just in this little bit where we spoke about the last five minutes, I think there's a lot of people sitting there going, wow. <laughs> we we really do need to rethink the way we treat people when they come in to have their babies. Yeah. You know, it's it's just common human courtesy. This yeah. kind of it, it covers so much just to say can I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And explain you you're a first time mum. You don't I mean I I had one mum that we I'd gone there for the birth that the baby had came out just hold it. I said, well, I'm just waiting for the... Uh, this I was called in last minute, by the way. This wasn't someone I'd known all the way through their pregnancy. And she didn't realise that she still had to birth the placenta. She's like, oh, does that, does that not come out at the same time? You know, and some people are not that well informed. So be nice, you know, answer the questions, explain yeah. why something's happening. And just give them the reassurance that this is this is what your body's meant to do. This yeah. is what it's designed for. You know, you yes. can do it. You can do it. Right. That that was really deep. So let's <laughs> let's, let's bring it back down. So sorry about that. Um, did you have any type of training beforehand? Did you do hypnobirthing, breathing, the mindfulness? Um, so I bought a hypnobirthing book. Okay. By Siobhan Miller, I think it yeah, is. Yeah. Um, and so that completely i was terrified of giving birth until i read that book yes. um it made me feel a lot better um made me realize my you know my body is geared up my body can do this um yeah so i i was into it to a degree i wasn't fully into hypnobirthing i did do the breathing mm -hmm. um i agreed you know i thought that would be really good 
I was lucky Joe was into it. He read the book as well. We also went out, what did he, he bought me. So in our bedroom, because they do the senses, don't they, in the hypnobirthing. In our bedroom, we have a Ylang Ylang reed diffuser. Nice. So he went out and bought me the exact same, but in the body lotion. Because he said that way, when you're in labour, you can put that on your arm or wherever you'll smell it. Um, rather than taking a reed diffuser around with us. Yes. Um, so he bought that for me. He also bought me a fan as well because he'd heard loads of people get hot. So a little little personal fan, which was lovely. So yeah, we'd gone into, we'd, we'd sort of dipped our toes into the hypnobirthing world. That was our plan. But yeah, we wasn't dimming the lights. I didn't, I didn't feel I needed all of that, but something just to, to smell. Yeah. Right, okay, yeah, that's relaxing. I like that smell. That was what we went for. Yeah. And I did actually use it when I was, when they induced me with the gel, I put it on my arms and just, I must have looked like a crazy person because I was just laying in bed with my <clears throat> arm over my nose, just smelling it just to try and yes. calm me down a bit. The, so the, the sensory part of our brain is called the olfactory that picks up the smells. You've used Ylang Ylang. Yeah. Um, there's other ones that people like. Some people like Jasmine. Yeah, I love um, Jasmine too, yeah. There's another one called Dragon's Blood. I'm not exactly sure. It's a type of tree sap. Oh, okay. Um, and that as well smells amazing. Now, it's not just about the smell, because it does do something. It wakes up parts of our brain. There's people out there going, oh, aromatherapy, nonsense, you know. But we're on about recollection. So if you and Joe have your intimate times, your times where you're just cuddled up, sitting there watching something on the sofa, and you smell that. Yeah. When you get to a point of you're in labour and you're at a quite a traumatic point it could be yeah. and you smell that it takes your brain back to the points that you remember of sitting there with joe the intimate yeah. times with joe and that's exactly what you need because when we talk about joe this is the guy you love you know you've had yeah. a baby with so having a smell that connects that all together will help you in the stages of labor to release the oxytocin that yeah. love hormone that would naturally come out and make birth easier yeah so it's a fantastic way of adding it so anyone that's knocking aromatherapy on the head just have a little look into it there's some really good stuff about aromatherapy. yeah no it definitely relaxed me like yeah. I, as soon as i smelt it you know i thought right yeah that's fine you know it just it just chilled me out it did what i wanted it to do really at the end of the day yeah. so yeah it was perfect so yeah we did um but obviously we couldn't do any antenatal classes um right. We, I did some, there was a few online, like the hospital had released a few online, yeah. um, but that was about it, yeah, no, I, I read up on hypnobirthing, that was about my lot really, very blind and naive. <laughs> when the next baby starts getting planned, me and you are going to have some more conversations, <laughs> there's, there's a lot more. Uh, so different ones that are helped, I, from talking to you before we done this, obviously Joe's had a major part. In looking after you and keeping everything I'm sane. very good yeah <laughs> sounds amazing anyone else anything else that's really helped you to get through this any other people Organisation? friends no just friends and family yeah I really needed them I really struggled yeah. really struggled when I came out of hospital so yeah they I mean there was even people like I reconnected with people I hadn't spoken to or seen for years you know but people who had also had babies recently this you know like this year yeah. um some of them reached out you know i just yeah 
loads so many people have been amazing yeah so many people have really helped me through and you're still getting some postnatal care now different ones well (laughs) okay so take whatever postnatal care you can get um it's it's a part of having a baby that gets missed very often is just having people there to look after you yeah and i mean i've come around and obviously joe's not around he's working yeah um but having someone to come round and just say, hey, Charlotte, go have a nap. Yeah. Go put your feet up. I'll look after baby for a bit. Yeah. That's the sort of things you need to be pampered a little bit. Yeah. And he's he's very good. I mean, well, I had my first night out on Saturday. so Brilliant. Well done. Yeah. Um, did not appreciate that on Sunday. Don't recommend it. If you have a three-month-old baby, it gets up at 6am. Yep. Don't do that. <laughs> but, yeah, he was brilliant. He was like, no, you need to go out. You need to go out and be you and not mum yeah that's what you need you need you to can't try. change the mum bit no. you're a mum now and there's nothing that's going yeah. to change that okay um but you still need to be the old charlotte yeah you need to, he just said you need to go out you need to let your hair down and you need to yeah. have a little bit of fun yeah. so i did I, li- <laughs> I, I love him already he's a good, he sounds like he's got his head screwed on the right way so no really nice guy but no, we've covered lots. You've you've really spoke about some stuff that you know it's not easy sometimes to talk about these things. No. Um, but I think you've definitely helped others to see. Um, they might not be able to control the people that are going to be looking after them, but they need to stop and just ask why occasionally. Yeah. You know, um, and realize... don't be afraid to ask why. I think that was my biggest issue. Yeah. I didn't at any point ever stop and say can you explain x y and z yeah you know why are we going down this road and sometimes the the little things that you could you've read a book about hypnotherapy um hypnobirthing not hypnotherapy hypnobirthing and you've looked at different things that are going to help you you looked into aromatherapy do you wish you'd done a bit more research or do you feel you went in there pretty well armed no i went in very naive i think um i think from the nature of my job I've had, I don't know, 10 years of women telling me horrific birth stories. So I wanted to shut out all of that stuff straight away. Um, and almost, you know, people would start talking to me about giving birth and I just used to switch off because I thought, I don't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear anything negative. All I kept, I mean, I kept saying to my clients, no, I'm just going to wake up one morning, cough, and the baby's going to be... Because I thought, I can't deal with people telling me how bad X, Y, and Z is. Yeah. I just want the baby out and safe. That's all I care about. But I went too far that way and then stopped researching anything. You know, I yeah. did the hypnobirthing, had my mind set on one thing, didn't think about anything that could change that you know didn't think about anything going wrong because it wasn't going to go wrong because this was my plan mm. and obviously when it all then went wrong i was then sort of like a deer in headlights i had no idea what was going to happen yeah. because i hadn't thought about anything else yeah. you know i just yeah, and i, I think you're naive. in a process now of i mean a couple of times you mentioned it all went wrong it all didn't go as you planned. I don't know about yeah. wrong. We don't want to say wrong because yeah. you're sitting here cuddling the most gorgeous little boy <laughs> with a big smile on your face. So that's not wrong. Okay? Yeah, no. So it, don't everything changed. Changed. The plan what, changed. You got it. You got it. Now, what are you going to do when you meet a new mum or a pregnant mum? 
pregnant lady ready to have her baby in six months time and she says oh what happened with your baby or your birth is it has it changed the way you would tell your story yeah I wouldn't want to make any mum to be nervous because I know that I especially if they're a first time mum because I was really nervous um, I make sure I tell everyone that your waters don't necessarily just go they can just be a trickle because I didn't know that mm-hmm. um, I try and tell yeah I try and tell everyone like to be fair one of the doctors gave me the biggest piece of advice when he told me about the job epidural he said no one's going to clap you out of here whether you have an epidural or you don't, you don't get a clap, you don't get a medal. So if you're in pain, take it. And that's now what I tell everyone. If you're in give, take whatever you want. If, mm. if it's not working for you and you're not comfortable and you're in pain, take something. But know what you're taking. Right. You know, I, I mean, I only knew as much about epidurals as the fact that you couldn't feel things. You know, yeah. that was all I knew. Um, I'd made certain decisions with certain things I didn't want. And an epidural was not the worst case scenario. So I was happy to go for that. And obviously then when they started talking about how he was then back to back, I was thinking, well, I could have ended up with this anyway, you know. So it's a good job I've got the line in because if I'm going for a a caesarean or something, they haven't got to do anything. Yeah, we we can honestly sit here and we can say, look, if I change this, this and this, I could have still ended up in exactly the same position, but blaming those choices on where I ended up. Yeah. So try not to blame... The, the course of events yeah all we can do and this is what this podcast all these podcasts are about is just re-educating not to yeah. say you you've done it wrong this is what you know it's saying to people these are the stories of these people and what they went through take that story and use it to make your birth better yeah. how you use it what you do with it whether you think oh what a load of nonsense i don't want epidural or Epidural, what's that? I'm going to do some more research. Yeah. You can take these stories any way you want and go away with them and make your birth better. Yeah. And that's what I want. I just want mums to have a better birth. We never know what it would have been, but yeah. let's, let's go with the right mindset of I'm going to make this birth the best one I can. You know? Yes, yeah. And and that's all we can really do. No, we can't, we can't do you, more You've than that. covered it so well. <laughs> this, is, this has been one of my favourite chats, I tell you. And it's been ages since I actually spoke to you face to face, so I think we've done really, really well. But thank you for sharing everything. That's all right. You've been absolutely amazing. And thank you, Archie, for being fairly quiet all the way through. Yeah, pretty quiet. You pretty quiet. right up there. So, yeah, you take care. Thank you very much, NG. I look forward to hearing about your new one when it comes along. (laughs) And uh, we're definitely going to have a few little chats and um, get things up to speed. But no, thank you so much, Charlotte. No worries. See you later. is a labour of love for all those involved in birth and is completely voluntary. No financial gain to myself or to anyone else. Any mentions of products, companies, charities is done independently and without profit. Music used is with permission from bensound.com. If you'd be interested in telling your birth story with me, please visit themaildoula.co.uk 
or find me on Instagram and Facebook as The Mail Doula. Please subscribe or follow to be alerted to next week's podcast and a glowing review would be really appreciated. Until next week, 